0: Welcome to our Exchanges at Goldman Sachs markets update for Friday, August 14th. Each week, we check in with leaders across the firm to get their quick take on what they're watching in markets. I'm Jake Seward, Global Head of Corporate Communications here at the firm. And joining us today, we have Joe Wall from our Office of Government Affairs in Washington and Tony Pasquarello of our Global Markets Division. Welcome to the program, Joe and Tony.
1: Thank you for having us. Thanks, Jake.
0: So we do a poll every month of our clients, a marquee quick poll. But before we get into the results of that, Joe, why don't you talk about how you think investors and markets are reacting to Kamala Harris as Biden's VP pick?
1: Well, you know, in a lot of ways, she was the kind of the obvious pick out of the gate, just in terms of not only the expectations, I think, but you know, even if you look at the prediction markets, she consistently led from sort of start to finish throughout the vice presidential selection process. You know, in a lot of ways, she's a very kind of conventional pick. She adds diversity to the ticket. She represents the next generation of the Democratic Party. While, you know, she's only been in the Senate for, you know, three and a half years, she has, you know, a long trajectory in politics dating back to being the San Francisco District Attorney, then of course, the California Attorney General. So she's been viewed nationally as a rising star in politics for quite some time. And I think people, it seems like market participants across the board, in a lot of ways, were not at all surprised by the pick. It wasn't as if it was something out of left field. So I think very conventional in a lot of ways. And, you know, I think if anything, what we've seen so far is that, you know, she has energized Biden's fundraising base. I mean, I think just in the first couple of days, they raised $36 million online, which is a pretty remarkable number.
0: There's always a lot of attention and a lot of press attention, particularly on who wins the White House, and that, that's what's getting all the press. But our investors, institutional investors in particular, might be even more focused on the Senate races based on the quick poll results that we saw recently. Talk a little bit about that and how investors are expecting markets to react in red wave and blue wave scenarios.
1: I think, you know, there's basically kind of four conventional outcomes, you know, in November, Trump wins and Congress remains split, meaning the House is Democrat and the Senate remains Republican. In that scenario, market participants think that there's a 40 percent think it'll either be, you know, somewhat or much stronger in that outcome. A little downside. There is the second outcome, which is Vice President Biden wins, and it's a split Congress, meaning Republicans maintain control of the Senate while Democrats remain in control of the House. In that scenario, market participants overall, 25% think that will lead to a stronger market, whereas about 49% think that will lead to a a somewhat or much weaker market. But on the much weaker side, you only see a 10% number in that space. Now, under the scenario where Biden wins and we see a blue wave, which there's basically two effective scenarios there, which means a small blue wave, and I would say it what we refer to as like a Category 5 blue wave, under the Democrats narrowly win control of the Senate, meaning like 50 or 51 seats, 58% of market participants think that will lead to a weaker market, 23% say much weaker. But when you ask market participants, what if there is a big wave, meaning Democrats would have north of 53 Senate seats, in that scenario... 36% think it will be a much weaker market. So that's where we see the big schism. So if we think about the two blue wave scenarios, I think most people today are more convinced that we will see a Democrat Senate majority probably in the 51 seat range, meaning 51-49 very narrow. However, what we've seen over the last few months, much like the Electoral College, The Senate map is also expanding, giving Democrats more and more opportunities to pick up seats. So it's becoming more possible that you could see Democrats gain north of 52, 53, even 54 seats in in November, meaning they would have, you know, a much more comfortable 53, 47, 54, 46 type majority. So where the headline of the survey was... It ain't about the White House, it's about the Senate. And I think a lot of our clients are now starting to think more and more closely about the Senate outcome.
0: So, Tony, uh, turning to markets, we've obviously seen investors in recent months fleeing US dollar assets as real yields plunge. Is that trend likely to continue regardless of the November election outcome? And how are clients thinking about that?
2: So, Jake, I think if we take a quick step back and think through why the dollar has come under some pressure in recent months, and I do think this is more of a story about the dollar than other U.S. assets because U.S. equities in fixed income markets still trade very well. But a few things stick out. The first is the carry advantage that U.S. rates provided in recent years is essentially out of the equation as all the major economies are essentially on the effective lower bound of their policy setting. And that's a significant change from a year, say like 2018, when U.S. rates were considerably higher and therefore the dollar outperformed. Secondly, the growth advantage that the U.S. held over other major economies has also come out of the equation in the context of COVID-19. And then with specific regard to Europe, I think there's a view that many European countries have managed through the COVID period decently well compared to other parts of the world. And more importantly, I think you've also seen a policy cohesion in Europe, for example, the recovery plan that's attracted some capital into the region. As we look ahead, I do think the election is a variable. It's a market event, really, which on the margin probably accelerates some of that movement of capital out of the U.S. and into other currencies for now anyway.
0: So, I mean, obviously, at the very beginning of the year, the election was in focus during the primary season. But really, since February, and March, investors have been 100% focused on pandemic data. Are they starting to turn to more regular economic data and political numbers more? Or what's the focus and what's moving markets these days?
2: I think the pandemic will remain very top of mind for investors for a bit longer. So if we think about the post-Labor Day period in the U.S., the interplay between COVID and return to work, and of course, return to school. I think those dynamics are going to occupy a lot of the market's mind share for sure. And then within that mix, I'm sure there's also going to be quite a bit of attention around hopes for treatment and for vaccine, particularly in the context of some of the phase three trials that are currently underway. Alongside that, yeah, I do think the US election on November 3rd will become a bigger and bigger area of focus. Now, political volatility, it's not always the easiest variable for the markets to contend with, say, relative to economic data or policy cycle, but I'm sure it will become a major point of discussion in the September, October into November timeframe, particularly as it relates to specific policies on corporate taxes, regulation, and healthcare.
0: Even before November, obviously, there's been a lot of discussion around another round of stimulus in Congress, and that seems stalled out. What impact is that sort of stalemate in Washington having on investors' views on the market, whether bullish or bearish?
2: Well, the market's been knee deep in this debate around the latest round of fiscal support for several weeks now. At the very least, we've clearly extended the time horizon from the original August 8th deadline that many were working with. That's clearly been pushed out. I think on the margin, this back and forth, this kind of political ping pong, it's arguably been negative for risk assets, but I wouldn't go too far with that. And I say that because it does feel like the market continues to expect a deal will get worked out before too long, whether that's in August or September, whether that's $1 trillion or something larger, the contours of that remain to be seen. But I think in the end, most of our client base believes a deal will get done before the election.
0: All right. Well, that was a quick but comprehensive look at the markets. Thanks for joining us, Joe and Tony. Thank you. That's all for this week's markets update on exchanges to Goldman Sachs. And in case you missed it, check out our other episode this week with Katie Koch on why diversity drives better investment performance. Thanks for listening. and hope everyone has a great weekend. This podcast was recorded on Friday, August 14th in the year 2020. Thanks for listening.
3: All price references and market forecasts correspond to the date of this recording.